right out of the spot. Okay, Erev Tov, we're continuing in the Rambam. We're just finishing up Perik Nun. We're right out of the spot. You don't have to move it at all. We're like Mamish, uh, just about there. Martin on page I and Hey, left-hand column, three lines from the top. Rama is discussing how um, it's it's true knowledge, right, is the idea that's in your mind. It's an accurate representation of what is outside of your mind. And the Rambam says, although language may not be able to explain what you understand, that doesn't mean you can't understand things without using a language for it, because the language is based on a lot of a priori. Um, schema that we have that cannot intake things that could be logically sensible, but not something that we can physically see. So you should be just around there, Shelley. You'll you'll pick it up as, but I think it's just about there. For belief is only possible. I believe that's where we're going to be. Vim husag im and once you can comprehend this knowledge, where it's not possible to do the opposite of it at all. Or, or there's no place in your mind a place to push this idea away. There's not even the possibility of the opposite. In other words, it, it isn't the opposite. It's not even close. You can't even think of the opposite. Logically, you know this has to be. Yes, and this is then going to be true. Now, he says three major caveats right here. Renounce is the next spot. Okay, he's going to be, there's three important conditions for this to be true and for you not to fool yourself. Number one, if you can strip yourself away from your lusts and your previous habits that provides the schema for want you to have a certain way things should be. Okay, meaning to say preconceived notions of how you thought about things, because certainly a Baltaiva has a preconceived notion about things, and habits does that too. So you got to strip them away. You could have had in the past. You may even have that, but you got to like take that totally out of the picture. Number one. Number two, obviously, and you have a developed intellect, a truly developed intellect. And number three, and reflect on the upcoming chapters, Asher Yavo, which will t- teach us about the negation of descriptions of Hashem, which we're going to talk about soon. Then it's going to be true for sure. And then you'll be one of those who can totally understand the concept of the unity of Hashem, not like someone who says it with their mouth, but doesn't really understand what's going on, which the Rama mentioned earlier in this chapter, there's too many people who say things of belief, but they have no idea why it's so. And you don't want to be in the category of those people. Asher never that said about them. Karov atobifiem, you are close in their mouths. You are close to them in their mouths, but for Rochim Gosem, but far away from their kidneys. Kidneys is that reference to the their feelings and and, and understanding. But it's rather it's fitting a Prishna be from the true intellects. Umasigovan can comprehend that. Even though you don't say it in your mouth. 
like the Hasidim have been commanded, say it in your heart, on your bed, and be silent. In other words, it, in other words, we, we, before you go to sleep at night, because that's right, exactly. So it's better, the Ramam, we could say like this, Barma says, better to walk the walk than talk the talk. Oh, boy. Okay? If, if, if it's if it's if it's if you really mean what what it's about, you don't have to say anything. You can be quiet about it. Just do it, and that's all you need to know. Okay. And therefore, this section concludes the idea that the true knowledge of God cannot be formulated with your mouth properly, because it's about beyond our schema. Now there are those contemporaries of Rambam who disagreed with the Rambam. But clearly the Chovas did agree with the Rambam. So we're going along these lines. So that ended chapter 50. And now you got a sheet, this one, that's got only secular sources over here. Mordebuchi number 51. It's really not that important, but he does bring it down. So we want to understand a little bit of what he's talking about, although we do not, it will not be tested on this, as they oh, say. Oh, oh. But it's, it's, not, it's not that critical to the whole, what's going on in the Rambam, but he does make reference to it, and it's a little bit of Aristotelian. You will see. You will see. Okay. <laughs> so what he now gets much more into what we can call this negative theology, which means what Hashem is not. And also, he's going to describe how language can be misused, okay? And you'll see, if a mom is, if the Rambam lived today, we'd have a beautiful example, which we will give. I don't know if it's going to be today or tomorrow, but you'll see exactly what's going on over here. So, we have to understand what Rambam is driving at. This is where it's all going to end up to. Is According to Rambam, the unity of Hashem is the most important attribute. That, I mean, that really should be for everybody. Because they, this, a clarity of what it means, Hashem Echad, what it really means, okay? And uh, he feels that the most perfect entity is a united entity, without any parts or pieces or things like that, which he's all going to continue to explain in great detail. So now he's going to give us a little bit of an introductory um, understanding of certain things. And then as time goes on in this chapter, he'll say exactly what he is intending over here. So he starts with a simple way. He says, There are certain realities in this world that are clearly manifest. Mehem muskalim rishonim. These are things we're going to call it basic logical axioms. Needs no proof. It's very intelligible, very primary ideas. There's nothing really to argue about. Okay. For example, what well, do you have to prove anything that uh, that a whole thing is bigger than any one of the parts of it? You have to prove it. Like if you take a part, I take the whole chumash is bigger than one page. Okay, do you need a lot of lumdas for this? No, that's very obvious. Or how about umuchashim or things we can sense? Something is black and something is white. Something is sweet. Something is sour. 
Do we have to have a lot of discussion about these things? You don't have to have any advanced intellect. Those are things that are very obvious, right? And also one more. Umehem shehem krovim le'elu. Or things that are offshoots of that. Which be called, you know, muskolo shnios. Secondary obvious things of that. So if let's say uh, 2 plus 2 is 4, which is an obvious thing. Uh, so then you could say, you know, times 3 is 12. You know, it just continues with that. Or you take two obvious ideas and you just create a third obvious idea. Okay? So, um, so those, that's nothing to discuss. And these things can, these are natural things. They can be just as they are. And you don't have to prove them. Uh, other things. Kigon mitzius hatnua, the reality of movement. Okay, umitzius hayecholas ba'adam, or the reality of a person's free choice. Okay, which is obvious, although people get very sophisticated. So, well, if God knows everything, it's a free choice. But the simple idea is, you have a free choice. You had a choice to hit the guy or not hit the guy. So that's also obvious things. Vigili havoevahevset, and to 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 know that things either generate themselves or they fall into a state of disrepair, the law of entropy, or things like that. Those are obvious things. Things things break down. Yeah. You don't need lumbus. You bought a fridge, and we know for sure you're not going to have it fifty years from now. <laughs> but certain things are, or somebody dies. You know, a plant withers. Certain things are like very obvious. Vetive hadvarim hanirim lachush, or natural things that you can sense. Kechom ha'esh, fire is hot. Vekor hamayim, and water is cold. Kiyotze be'elu dvarim rabim, and a lot of things like that. These you don't have to be an intellect. These are very obvious things, nothing to discuss. Okay, now we come to the next section, which the Rambam is going to say, and now there's another section saying that really there should be nothing to discuss as well. However, people get a little, a uh, little shtick, and all of a sudden they come up with a whole new idea that is preposterous. But you you have to answer it because people are beginning to believe it. Okay, so the first one is like no one's going to tell you that black is green. I mean, you can't unless you're colorblind. But it's certainly, that fire is hot. <laughs> no way you could say going to argue with someone that fire is cold. You can't, you can't say it, right? But then there's certain things that really should be the same thing as the obvious, but people are able to use language and things like that to distort it. So now we have to bother to disprove it because so many people mistakenly think it's so. Okay, that's what he's going to explain next. What? Yes, that's coming up. Ella shikasher nemru hashkafas matmios. But when people give ideologies that are wondrous, okay, that they're, uh, as, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, uh, wondrous ideas. Why? Either imitzat toa, because they're just mistakenly. The guy's got a crooked mind. He, he just can't think straight. Okay. Oh, here's a very common one. Mimishin iskavin lekach. The guy intentionally is, is doing this. 
for a certain goal, let's say a religious goal or political goals, to contradict that which is clearly so. And he's he's intentionally distorting reality, uh, like such as many ideologies that exist. And they go and dis, uh, go against that which is really obvious nature, and our senses contradict what they say. Oh, let's say they want to uh, distort a reality which is not so. Therefore, the real, true philosophers have been forced to prove that which is obvious and to nullify things that people are making a mistake on. As Aristotle finds out, and this word gets interesting, I'll first say it and then we'll explain it. Where he uh, establishes the laws of motion, even though they're, what people said about is contradicted. This we don't have any source on that. I'm not going to go into that. But the next one is, and he proved the absence of an atom. As reality teaches us. Okay, I'm going to get into that in a second. Now, I would just say the simplest example is nowadays is for people to have changed the definition of a man and a woman. That's all there is to it. How are they doing it? Well, they've come up with a shtick. They're using, a, here's a good example of language being used to distort things. I can't remember exactly the words of these Meshuganers. You know, they say, you know, but just because you're born with certain biological features that does not determine if you're a male anymore or a female it's not dependent on a biological feature so what do you mean that's like saying fire is cold yeah. you know a male with male genitalia is a male one with a female is female genitalia. so i say no 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 it's what's in your mind okay this is just wordplay that's all it is and obviously, the run was clear, there's agendas over here, right? Clearly, A, to destroy the country, B, to make money, to wreak havoc and cause chaos. That's what it's about. Because a normal person, and, and you could be such a person, you see how far this goes, you could become a Supreme Court justice with such stupidity coming from your mind. Now... So now, so now you get a guy like the, who, who did this movie on what is a woman, right? And he just asks people, can you tell me what a woman is? And he's just asking, he's just being simple. He's saying, tell me what it is. To find, and to get all angry, all excited, they scream and yell, this and that. Or like people, it, like it's now, it's become, it's what's in your mind. So what are they really doing? They're using language and imagination to distort reality. Okay, now you th- do you do you gotta argue with these people? No, but so now, but but you gotta really disprove them, don't you? So let's say a guy like a Ben Shapiro, the Marshall, or a, or Matt Walsh. These guys are going out to disprove them. But what happens? These people don't want to talk. 
They don't want to talk. You say, tell me how, you know, and they're, it's a trick. They're using language. You see, they're using language to define it. They're going to say, well, if I think I'm a woman, I feel like a woman, then I am by definition a woman, just my body parts, because really the main thing of the person is what's in his mind. Now, we would call that person a mashuganer, right? Because the body parts define, and your chromosomes define if you're male or female. And they're saying, no, it doesn't define, and now I can just decide what I am. I can decide if I'm more than one person. So how are they using it? They're using language and imagination to distort the reality. And people are machayev to disprove them. So the Rambam is going to be saying the same is going to happen. You'll see in a minute that Rambam has to disprove them regarding Hashem. Good question. Yeah. The beginning of this chapter is talking, and he says, there are many things whose existence is manifest and obvious and don't require proof. Certain for, things. For, certain things. Okay, it's a, okay. No, no, certainly it's a, like it's so obvious. If someone would say black is white. Because no, I'm saying for, for thousands of years it was manifest and obvious that, these, that the uh, sun revolved around the earth. Okay, fine. That, that, that doesn't that matter. So That's not the right? point. Maybe that wasn't so obvious. But I mean, yeah. it didn't require proof. Really anybody who said it was wrong. No, you didn't have the science to know otherwise. You didn't, no, well, you, you didn't have the science. Of, and nobody could disprove you without any science. And here, you're, 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 I understand what you're saying, but that's going to take us off the topic. Look, we'll look at one of his examples where he says it's not true, but you know, if at, you only can prove with up to the science that you have at that time, that's all you can prove. Here's the example with the atoms is a classic, is a classic. Let's look inside here, where obviously Aristotle's wrong and the Rambam's wrong. Okay, but in that time, that's all the information they had. But it doesn't matter. Oh, so Ram was wrong there, so he's wrong about Hashem. No, not exactly the same thing. Okay, there's a little difference. If Hashem says he's one, okay, then that's a difference. Okay, that's no science is ever going to be able to detect Hashem. Okay, it's not possible because he's not physical. There's nothing there. So the Ramam is talking about certain physical unusual things. And he's saying, based on the science they had, and Aristotle, even at his time, was the, quote-unquote, the MS. So he's saying, it's so MS, but we still have to go about and disprove it. So even though, at the end of the day, Aristotle was wrong, but it would take another, it would take a quantum physics to prove him wrong. Okay, so we didn't have the, the machines, you didn't have the, the microscopes, you didn't have the tools, so you had to go with what you had in your mind and what you saw in front of you. So again, I'm not a real big scientist here. I'm just going to read it with you just so you get an idea. Source one. This is what he's referring to. Atomism, which means uncuttable, indivisible. Okay, this is what we'll call the, this was going against the ancient idea of atomic theory, not the present. And the truth is, the Rambam was right and, and, and uh, Aristotle was right. The ancient understanding of atomic theory was disproved. But the modern one, they didn't have the tools to deal with it, and the modern one is true. So, for example, is a natural philosophy proposing that the physical world is composed of fundamental, indivisible components known as atoms. Reference to the concept of atomism and its atoms appeared in both ancient Greek and ancient Indian philosophical traditions. 
The ancient Greek atomists theorized that nature consists of two fundamental principles, atom and void. Unlike their modern scientific namesake in atomic theory, philosophical atoms come in a variety of shapes and sizes, each indescriptable, immutable, and surrounded by a void where they collide with the others or hook together, forming a cluster. Clusters of different shapes, arrangements, arrangements, and positions give rise to the various macroscopic substances in the world. Sometime before 330 BC, Aristotle asserted that the elements of fire, air, earth, and water were not made of atoms, but were continuous. Aristotle considered the existence of a void, which was required by the ancient atomic theory to violate physical principles. Change took place not by the rearrangement of atoms to make new structures, but by transformation of matter from what it was in potential to new actuality. A piece of wet clay, when acted upon by a potter, takes on its potential to be actually a drinking mug. Aristotle has often been criticized by rejecting atomism, but in ancient Greece and atomic theories of Democritus remained pure speculations incapable of being put to any experimental test. Granted that atomism was in the long run to prove far more fruitful than any qualitative theory of matter, but in the short run, the theory that Aristotle proposed must have seemed in some respects more promising. So that's an example of in in that day for what the science that they knew, that ancient atomism was wrong. Okay, but and and but they have to bother to prove that it's wrong. The modern atomic theory is way beyond what Rambam had any connection with. So at the end of the day, you could say Rambam is wrong. Okay, he's wrong because science has gone so far ahead with the tools to identify things that he wasn't capable of. Impressive. You just had the concept of atoms back then. Right. I mean, really. Yeah. And but that concept was an erroneous concept. Yeah. So Ram said we had to shoot it down, and that was correct to shoot that down. Yeah. But so, ultimately there'll be new at- atoms. So the Ram is just telling us you have this idea, and the same idea is another thing he's going to talk about is Aristotle's theory of universals. Okay, which the example will be clear. Again, this was a whole big discussion. Is a classical solution uh, to the problem of universals. What are universals? Universals are the characteristics or qualities that ordinary objects or things have in common. They can be identified in the types, properties of relations observed in the world. For example, imagine there's a bowl of red apples resting on a table. Each apple in that bowl will have many similar qualities, such as their red coloring or redness, that will share some degree of the quality of ripeness depending on their age, They'll also be at varying stages of age will affect their color, but they will all share a universal appleness. Okay? These qualities are the universals that the apples hold in cons in, in common. Okay, that may be here's the question now. The problem of universals asks three questions. Do universals exist? If they exist, where do they exist? Also, if they exist, how do we obtain knowledge of them? How can you figure what the universals of apples are? So in Aristotle's view, universals are incorporeal and universal. 
but only exist only when they are instantiated, meaning they exist only in things. In other words, they only exist in things. Aristotle said that the universal is identical in each of its instances. All red things are similar in that they are the same universal redness in each thing. There is no platonic form of redness standing apart from all red things. Others held, no, there's this concept in the ether called redness. It's, it's this concept that is not physical. It's a concept of redness. Instead of each red thing, instead, each red thing has a copy of the same property, redness. For the Aristotelian knowledge of the universal is not obtained from the supernatural source. It is obtained from experience by means of active intellect. So whatever, you see another example where he felt this was all wrong, and we just look at what is there. Okay, anyway, this all leads us to the just the next, uh, just a couple more lines, or even bet we'll stop over here. I'm going to start Mumin Hasug, and that's going to tell us, okay, now we're going to play the same thing with Hashem, and those who feel that you can give Hashem qualities, kind, merciful, and they're going to try to play with this and say that God can have that, and yet, uh, or, or doesn't have that, you're going to have all kinds of descriptions, and the obvious problem is the Navim said that Hashem is kind. So you're going to say that is a quality of Hashem, or that's not a quality of Hashem. And these people would play word games to say things that were totally not true, and the Rambam has to disprove that. And that's going to be going on for the next uh, almost 20 chapters, where he's going to take certain descriptions and say that that is not in conflict, and we shouldn't be fooled by these words. So that is where we're up to. the answer to the question, by the way. I'm sorry? I have the answer to the question. To which question? September 5th. Refresh my memory. When did we begin learning? Oh, uh, we have to. <laughs> September 5th Jeopardy. of this when, year. When was the thing we started? It's only six months then, no? Yeah. yeah. October, yeah, November, December, January, February. I didn't think it was that long. Six months. Okay. Super class for super fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Okay, okay. okay. Thank you. She get a big schuss. Amazing. 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 I'm sorry, what'd you say?